What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, we're speaking with Aaron Rowley of Electroloom. Electroloom is a 3D printing company posed to radically transform how we manufacture clothing. Now, if you've been to a number of tech conferences like me that have 3D printers, it's likely that you've seen the little trinkets and knickknacks that supposedly demonstrate the new possibilities of 3D printing. A 3D printed Batman head, oversized sunglasses, novelty bow ties, not all that interesting. It's entirely possible that you're over 3D printing. But if you've heard of designers like Iris Van Herpen and Francis Patanti, or if you're paying attention to what companies like New Balance and Nike are up to, you'll understand the revolutionary potentials that 3D printing has. 3D printed gowns, high heels, and sneakers are giving us a glimpse into a future of fashion that's highly customized. But what about 3D printed fabric? What about a 3D printed design that comes out of the printer ready to wear? Picture this, you have an event this weekend. You can envision the perfect dress you'd like to wear, but you don't own it yet. You can spend your entire week searching for your dream dress in department stores and boutiques and online in hope of finding something close that fits your body and your budget. Or you could head to your computer, sketch out the dress on a computer software, or download the design data online. Send this information to your 3D printer the next morning, and before the weekend, your brand new 3D printed dress is hot off the printer, no sewing required. This is the dream, and while it's still a ways away, it's a dream that Aaron Raleigh is helping to make a reality with his company, Electroloom. It's an exciting conversation, and it starts right now. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the last time we saw each other was at Silicon Valley Fashion Week. How have you been? Good, busy. Yes. Yeah. So, for folks who don't know what Electroloom is, tell us about it. Yeah. So, Electroloom is a technology company making what we refer to as a textile factory in a box. It's been called a 3D printer for clothes. It's been called a 3D printer for fabrics. But the basic principle is that you can go from raw material to a finished fabric, either a sheet or a 3D constructed shape, in a matter of 20 minutes to two hours, all in a machine that can fit on a desktop. Okay. And so, just to clarify, this isn't the run-of-the-mill MakerBot printer that we're seeing at the tech conferences. So what's what's different and special about this? Yeah, so you're exactly right. I mean, most 3D printers that people are familiar with and that they'll see use rigid, solid material. And often when people make wearables with that kind of technology, it's just linked together almost like chainmail. So what our technology does is we actually directly create fibers from materials like polyester, silk, polyurethane. And then those fibers all bond together to produce a piece of material, an actual fabric that's made of fibers. So the end product that comes out of our machines is truly a type of fabric and it's soft and it's flexible by nature as opposed to having to engineer that into it during a print job like on a normal 3D printer. And that's called field guided fabrication, is that right? Field guided fabrication, yeah. It's a it's technically a form of what's called electrospinning. We've done a few modifications just to fit it more to like a 3D process. Basically it uses an electric field to convert liquid materials into actual fibers. And so last time we saw one another, your company was in the process of fundraising for Kickstarter, I believe. I'm interested to know, what has your funding journey been like and where are you now with it? 
Yeah, the fundraising journey has been interesting. So we did a hardware accelerator last year. We were actually in Shenzhen, China for about three and a half months. Which accelerator? It's called Hacks. Okay. Yeah, so it's a hardware accelerator. It's a great program. We actually get to go back to China every once in a while to do small little R&D pushes and design cycles. So we got some money through that. We raised a little bit of capital from angel investors. We did a little Kickstarter to get some sort of development kits out there and to find not necessarily early adopters, but people who are just looking to get their hands on the technology and hack it and break it and work with us on developing it. But we also most recently were funded through the National Science Foundation because it's technically a project that applies to what's called advanced manufacturing. So the NSF supports that vision of building new advanced manufacturing technologies. They saw our technology as distinct enough from the traditional sort of 3D printing world that we were fortunate enough to get a grant through them. And when you were in China, did you see anyone doing anything like this? So electrospinning, the underlying technology has been around for a while. It's usually used in really small benchtop applications to make small, small pieces of fabric or tubes of fabric. My background is actually in this fabrication technology and in a research environment, I made artificial blood vessels, very small tubes using this technology. So people out there certainly have worked with it before. But we're really pushing it into a new realm where, you know, we want to apply it to actual clothing production. We're doing things in larger volumes than any company is doing. We're doing complex shapes and 3D shapes where most people are doing sheets. So we haven't seen anybody doing what we're doing with electrospin in particular. And even beyond that, you know, the world of 3D printing and the world of custom clothing, I don't think anyone's been doing it exactly this way, but there's certainly people out there trying to get you know, this sort of vision of the future or accelerate that, you know, into our reality for sure. What made you want to focus on fashion? Yeah, I kind of fell into it. I mean, I've always liked fashion, obviously never lived in New York, so I've had more of a, you know, West Coast impression of fashion, a little more laid back, but always been interested in it. And I saw that as just a really cool design space where, you know, you're really putting together technology with creativity. I mean, I've been around the Bay where there's hacker spaces and people are doing a lot of core technology projects, but I saw this as an opportunity to like bring new technology into a purely creative field where people are used to doing things with pretty old tools like scissors, sewing needles, things like that. Yeah, it just struck a chord with me early on too when we put this on the internet and we're proposing it conceptually. We got a ton of people reaching out to us from the fashion community in particular who were like, this would be incredible. I would love to work with it. And so there's it was a little bit of me having interest and a little bit more of people inspiring me actually to work on it just through encouragement. Yeah, and we know that the fashion industry is an industry that you know definitely needs disruption right now. So how do you envision Electroloom transforming manufacturing processes? Yeah, and that's actually a good question because a lot of the motivation, certainly for the team and myself, is rooted in you know, changing the way manufacturing is done. I mean, that's a very lofty goal and it will take years and years of development. You know, even if we're looking to replace, let's say the manufacturing of one fabric item, like a tie or undergarments or even just napkins or something, right? Like that's still a really tall order. But, you know, the idea is that the textile industry is really, really dirty, you know, both in terms of its labor conditions and also its pollution, one of the most polluting industries in the world. So, you know, we looked at what we were doing and saw an opportunity because, you know, we don't use water in our process. And, you know, it's we just had a study that was done at a U.S. university that did like a life cycle analysis on fabrics coming out of our machine compared with fabrics coming out of a normal textile supply chain. And we use like 292 times less water 
we use 10 times less energy per garment. So those types of figures, even from a manufacturing perspective, I think there's a sustainability play to it. And I think that's really empowering. You know, of course, it only is really meaningful if it's ever implemented correctly mm-hmm. and at scale. So that's something we have to work toward. But we also just like the idea of a store being able to actually create a custom good in front of somebody, even if it's not for their whole consumer base, it's for a few people that come into stores or it's, you know, for people who are at a fashion university and they have a new tool to get something made. So really we see it as just like a new advanced way to help people design and create, at least in the short term, but the long term is definitely to like actually push textile manufacturing to a cleaner space. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a distance right now or a dissonance in 3D printing between what 3D printing is creating and the sort of dream of 3D printing. So the dream is where I wake up in the morning and I select a dress online or I design one, I print it out during the day, and then I can actually come home to my printed dress and wear it at night. That's that's the dream, mm-hmm. right? How far away are we from that and what are the challenges in getting us there? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, right? Obviously, I have a stake in that. I have an interest in that future getting here earlier rather than later, maybe from a company perspective. But I think there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, I think even with what we're looking at, it's probably five years till you have high quality objects made of fabric that you're able to produce in your home. It's probably 10 years until you can confidently say, like, let's say just a simple blouse or a simple pair of shorts or whatever it is, is something that you can actually print out and expect to wear it. So I think there's a lot, a lot of work to do. And that's mostly because most efforts, including 3D printing, when you compare them to how textiles are made, I mean, that technology has, you know, arguably thousands of years on these new technologies. And for as dirty as they are, they're very good at what they do. Their systems are very robust. So I think a lot of it has to do with breaking brands out of that mold. It has to do with breaking designers out of that mold. But I think there's just huge technological hurdles in terms of usability that have to be overcome too. So for us, we're focusing a lot on the technology. We need the fabrics to be better and stronger. We want to be able to do more complex designs. But then that's not a complete package. Then it's all about usability. You know, it's not going to be working for somebody if parts are breaking or if the software is bad. And so at some point, the design of the system is going to have to match your dream, right? It's a push of a button rather than assembling something every morning. So Right, because I'm not a technical person. Like, I want, I have that dream and I want, I, I see that vision and I want right. it. Yeah. But I'm not going to be fiddling with yeah. like, the machine. Yeah. And I think 3D printers, I mean, even MakerBots and everything else, like, for tech-savvy people they're easy but mm-hmm. for the general public they're not and there's a lot that could still go wrong and I think just with 3D printing in general too usability is probably going to be the next biggest thing and reliability too you know it's not very usable when print jobs fail or break so I think I think both for us and for the 3D printing industry in particular like that usability for sure is going to be and still is like a huge hurdle so we're here at the Electroloom HQ and we have the larger I guess first prototype yeah and then we have a smaller one. So maybe tell me about each of these. And then I want to talk a little bit about who your audience is for something like this down the road. Yeah, so actually we have this machine back here. And that it's up in the corner. It's a big, uglier machine. So that was the first prototype we ever made. And that was really to illustrate the principle of creating a fabric just in 3D space at all. There's just giant tubes. And so this was the one... You know, we took what we learned from that machine and made what we call the garment machine. The goal there was to just really understand... Can this ever be pushed in a way that can make something wearable? So we stuck to easy designs. It was just tank tops and, and skirts. But it showed that, yes, you can actually make it in that shape. You can put it on. It, by some measure, resembles something that you've worn before. And then from there, we said, okay, there's still lots of things wrong with this technology. 
we had pumping problems, we had electrical problems. So the point of building this small machine was to basically, on a smaller scale, design things that were more robust, that were easier to work with, and then go back to that garment machine and implement new systems. So this smaller machine, you know, it's literally aesthetically the same as the larger one, but a smaller footprint, but it has a faster throughput system. So this deposits or manufactures fabric 11 times faster than that larger machine. So you can get like these fabric patches here on the table were made in about 20 minutes. And based on the number of nozzles we'll have on that machine, when we scale it up, you'll be able to make a tank top in about an hour and a half. It took 14 hours before on that machine. So that's a huge improvement, but that's kind of the main reason we went to this smaller machine here was to really go back to fundamentals and understand what needs to change in the technology to make the garment machine usable. Mm -hmm. And like we were saying, this one's probably easier to take to trade shows because yes. it's a lot smaller. Totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so eventually, who who is your audience? Are you imagining selling the machines themselves? Definitely, and we actually have customers lined up for this year and even for these smaller machines. So the smaller machines are only capable of doing tubes, patches, very rudimentary complex shapes, um, not a full garment, obviously. But it can do things in color. It can work with multiple materials that we're developing. So yeah, beginning, and the customers that we have right now uh, are brands, some pretty big global brands that are really excited about this new textile technology. We have universities, fashion universities, and then we also have individual designers and design studios that are lined up for it. And that's going to be sort of an extension of this alpha group. So we have people that are interested in just producing fabric in-house to cut and sew themselves for their own garments and designs. But then we have people who are interested in helping us improve it because they want to see it implemented on a garment scale. So initially, it's really people who are very close to the actual manufacturing processes, the design processes associated with clothing. Long term, we would love for it to be a broader consumer audience. But in the near term, it's definitely far more focused towards designers and basically product designers and product developers within brands. Yeah, and I imagine in the short term, it's fabrics. And then in the long term, that mold inside could actually be a mold of my body and it's printing right. something specifically for me. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where we're going to go. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> so the biggest criticism of Electroloom has been that the garments you're making, as sort of technically impressive as they are, they're not yet fashionable. What would you say to a criticism like that? I would say it's totally fair. I think, you know, for some background when we started, we even talked about you know, targeting simple items at first. So when we first ever put this out there on the internet, we were like, we just want to make the white tee. We just want to make a single color beanie. Mm -hmm. We want to do basics. And so that's kind of been the reasoning behind a lot of the simplicity. I think long-term we want them to be fashionable. And as we've been speaking with more designers and brands, we understand the importance of that. But I think it's not really that we're neglecting it. It's more that first pillar that needs to exist in this technology is just raw functionality. And that's really the stage we're at. It's a lot of R&D. It's a lot of purely technical work. But even like with this machine, right, it's smaller. It's just making fabrics. But we're now starting to get the interest from designers who are looking at it, who are using it, and giving us feedback. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you're totally right in that assessment. They're not fashionable. And they probably won't be this year. But the goal is to get it out there and to start working with people so that they can really inform how to actually bring that about with this technology. But first, for now... It's just a matter of prioritizing it working because if it never works, we'll never even have a chance at yeah. making a fashionable thing. And, then and you see yourself as a tool provider. Yeah, definitely. And that's the other thing too. You know, I, while I do have a passion and an interest in fashion, I totally acknowledge that 
I'm not a designer and you know I'm not somebody working within a brand but I am somebody who's capable of building the tools and so we're learning a lot and we love working with people who are the experts and that's people within the fashion industry but we're sort of sticking to what we know best for now and that's just raw technology and how did you get into 3d printing yeah 3d printing I mean it's always been something I've been fascinated with I was first ever exposed in my undergraduate studies we had a lab that basically would print out your designs for various projects that you were doing. They were these huge machines. They took like an entire night to just do some small parts. But then when I got into industry, I was working for a medical device company and our R&D labs had 3D printers. So we would you know, make stuff overnight. But the actual sort of point where I decided to look into this world of fabrics and additive fabrics was that at the medical device company I was working for, we were limited on some of our designs because we had soft and flexible components, for example, within a medical device that we couldn't create on a 3D printer. And so I was just basically for a while fixated on this notion that eventually 3D printers are you know, gonna need to do more than just solid goods because it's gonna enable people to design a lot more. And we were already experiencing that at our device company. And just as I had thought about it, you know, I thought, well, if it goes down that road, it's eventually going to be, you're eventually going to see people making things like clothes and trying to make things that are wearable and that are truly soft and flexible. And when I looked out there to see, well, who's the first person trying it? I found almost no one. And that seemed like just a huge opportunity, but also it kind of seemed like this mystery. Like I wanted to be somebody out there forging that path, whether, whether it was right or not. So that was really when I got involved in 3D printing soft goods and fabric specifically was just really wanting to usher in that new era of like 3D printing capabilities. And is there still nobody out there? Like I've heard of, I heard of bolt threads and I know that they're doing something interesting with spider silk. Yeah. Yeah. They're working towards, I think, high volume production of, of silk. Yeah. Which would be, make it a lot more affordable. There's, there's people out there doing work with additive soft goods and new innovating textile technologies. I think the really interesting thing about this space in particular is that there's a lot of people with the idea, but it seems like everyone's trying it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's interesting. It's also exciting because it means that like something inevitably will stick, but you know, we don't know what it is yet. So there's Tamacare in the UK. They do a fabric manufacturing technology where I believe it's a latex core that is then texturized and coated with small fibers to feel like a fabric. There's Fabrican which was literally like spray fabric in a can. Yeah, yeah. I heard or saw something about that. Yeah, you know, it, it was making waves almost like 10 years ago now. I haven't seen much lately. It's really cool. I would love to see it develop more. It's kind of like headline grabbing, but are you actually going to wake up and get dressed like that? Right, and spray yourself. I mean, that, those were really the questions. Definitely, so that's kind of it. It's like everyone's doing this, has a different take on how to get it done. But there's definitely people trying it, for sure. Well, and it shows that there's a problem that needs to be hacked away at, that all these minds are thinking about it. So finally, as someone who is working at the crosshairs of both fashion and technology, in your opinion, what do you think fashion can learn from tech and vice versa? What do you think tech can learn from fashion? Yeah, I think in particular what fashion can learn from tech is, I think, just what technology can do for people, not just from an inspiration perspective, but even from just an efficiency perspective. So... I think for fashion to start really caring about the way things are made is really important. And that, that has to be a technology solution. And you're actually seeing that. I mean, I think it was at Decoded Fashion Summit in New York City. There were several brands talking precisely about that, you know, the manufacturing of clothes and, and what can we use to change their processes. And I think so looking towards technology to understand that I think is really important. I think with things like 
wearables and understanding how you know our digital lives are going to actually mesh with wearable lives and, and how we express ourselves in that world like understanding that intersection is important i mean we hold our phone every day but i think you're going to start seeing things become more i don't know blended is the right word but they're going to become more personal and mm-hmm. i think probably wearable and project to card and a lot of other things are really in the forefront of that and so I think you know I think it, just in that sense I think fashion has a lot to learn from tech because it's really going to provide a lot of value to people beyond just fashion and expression in terms of tech learning from fashion I think it's such a different world and I think it's a it's a different type of consumer than I think people in tech are used to dealing with you know there's a lot that goes into branding there people care a lot about who's designing it about where it comes from and you know there's not quite unless you're dealing with performance apparel it's not really like what kind of processor is this and and what are the capabilities it's more of like you know how are you speaking to that consumer and the way they live their lives and so it's more of this amorphous idea you know but I think there's actually a lot of really innovative stuff in the way of just branding that happens in fashion that I think tech companies probably could value and learn off from if they got out of the especially the Silicon Valley bubble but <laughs> nice yeah. well Aaron thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it yeah thanks for thanks for coming by and we hope to see you again at Silicon Valley Fashion Week or nice I'll be swinging around some of the events so. awesome thanks again cool. for your time yeah thank you my conversation with Aaron Rowley of Electroloom. For images of everything you heard on this program, including different iterations of the Electroloom printer, we invite you to visit electricrunway.com. As always, you can follow along to see what we're up to at the intersection of fashion and technology on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at electric underscore runway. Be sure to tune in next week. We're speaking with veteran wearable technology designer Nancy Tilbury of Studio XO. We catch her at the Hardware Accelerator at PCH Highway 1 in San Francisco. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. All guests on the Electric Runway podcast are recorded with permission. Music from today's episode by Jeff Kale.